0: of the show. Welcome to episode 51 of the Relaxed Dog podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for listening. Welcome if you are a new listener and welcome back if you've listened before. I am your host, Robert Ober, and hope that you and your dog are well. Now I'm going to get in early and ask a favour, and that's if you like the episode after you've listened to it, hit the share button and share it with your friends, or tell them about it face-to-face, or on the phone, or however else you communicate with your friends, but that would be really appreciated. Thank you. This week, I'll be chatting with a fellow Aussie down in Melbourne, Victoria, Brent Dry. But first, in some doggy news, a Australian shepherd by the name of Spot has been taught to play a drinking game and... It's all right, he's not into the alcohol, he uh, drinks his uh, sausage water um, by his pet guardian, uh, Sophie, over in Bobbingen, Germany. And he's put it on his uh, Instagram, so his Instagram is Aussie underscore spot, if you want to have a look. It's an interesting little uh, video where he's playing a children's game called Looping Louie and over to the US in Lebanon Virginia a young gentleman by the name of Bryson who is 8 years old was devastated when his best friend Bruce was rushed to the local vets. And had a fairly serious case of parvo now we all know vets aren't cheap and his mum set up a GoFundMe page but Bryson decided to sell his much loved Pokemon cards and made a little stall to set them out Uh, word got out the local media um, the next thing you know it went online they raised quite a bit more money than was actually needed but uh, a nice little touch is that the people from Pokemon actually contacted Bryson and sent him a nice little gift pack with some rare cards to restart his collection so it's a nice bit of karma going back to someone doing what they needed to do to keep their dog healthy. And uh, speaking of health, I'm seeing a bit of advancement in the area with dogs being diagnosed with cancer. And it seems to be there's a couple of early detection systems now that they're doing with a blood test. And hopefully I'll have some more information on that soon. And now, here is this week's interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I'm here with Brent Dry. How are you?
1: Hey, Robert. I'm really good, thank you.
0: Uh, How's things down south?
1: (laughs) I'm down in Melbourne, Victoria. Um, If you'd asked me that uh, a week ago, I would have said it's fantastic. Life is really, really... Uh, kicking along, business is good and and we're back to normal. However, we are now in lockdown again. So we've done probably six days. Um, we were meant to come out of it uh, Thursday night and uh, we've got another seven days to go. So this crazy coronavirus just keeps on um, popping up when you don't want it to. But um, yeah, life, life's, life's all right. It's pretty good. Can't complain at the
0: moment, <laughs> well, I've got to say for uh, one grateful part is it's given me the opportunity to sit and have a chat with you,
1: yeah, it has, yeah, so when you message me, I'm like, yeah, I've got time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's just like a subtle technique there, wait for another lockdown, get him when he can't go out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and just message everyone, hey, you free?
0: (laughs) My Victorian list, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, start ticking them off.
0: (laughs) So uh, who are we going to chat about with tonight?
1: Uh, We are going to talk about my Malinois, Uh, her name is is Zia um officially known as puppy and well probably affectionately known but more or less only known as puppy so i call her puppy she's she's uh, just turned 7 um and we'll have a chat about uh about her and her little story that she's got going on i suppose uh, that's great
0: so everyone that listens knows as per usual i'm going to go back in time and ask you to take us through the events on the whys and hows that you guys got together.
1: Yeah, okay. So <clears throat> I'd seen, I've been around dog training since uh, 2008, I think. I did a course which is called the National Dog Trainers Federation course here in Australia. So I think it was around about 2008 and did that course. I think a dog I'd wanted, or I had a Uh, a beautiful Labrador retriever at that time. Her name was Sophie. And Sophie was a little rock star. Um, But a dog I'd always wanted was a German Shepherd. And then as I went through the course and then came out of the course and we started, my wife and I, I met my wife on the course. So her name is Kat. Nice added extra. (laughs) No, (laughs) the things you find when you do that course, mate, you got to be careful. (laughs) (laughs) you don't know what's going to happen. And um, so we came out of the course and we were, we didn't, we met on the course. I had no intentions of doing too much in the, in the way of the dog world. I was sort of considering, you know, like if I do this course, will I get, get into customs and be able to work with customs dogs or something? That was kind of what I thought. And then came out of it and had this amazing new relationship and, Uh, we decided that we were going to run some group classes. So Kat was doing dog grooming at the time and doing some consults, doing behavioral stuff. And we decided we'd do some group classes and then we started to do those. And then really we did this massive deep dive into the dog world after the course. You know, the the NDTF course is a really good introduction into the dog training world. Um, But after that, we just did this massive deep dive where, you know, we would just spend hours and hours watching you know, videos or DVDs or anything like that that we could find. YouTube, I think, was quite young and we weren't watching too much. But we were getting um, DVDs and videos and we'd just watch everything that we could and then we'd talk about them. And we started to see these dogs called Belgian Malinois. And I'm like, oh, they're really interesting. And then I started to meet a few people. Yeah, I started to meet a few people who had them. So then, I was hanging around with these dogs, and um, German Shepherds were still probably the main one. Cat had Rottweilers, so they were also um, a lot of fun. But moving uh, moving past the German Shepherd, which I started to see, you know, there there were some that weren't too good. So I kind of considered, well, let's have a look at um, at a Malinois. A few people that I knew who had them, I really liked those dogs. I could see that they worked really, really well and decided that that was the breed that I wanted to go with. I wanted um, my, my, the concept behind what I wanted in the dog was actually relatively simple. I wanted a little smaller female that basically I could pick up and play with and, you know, my, my idea was just to do all the dumb sh- stuff that I can with my dog. So, if I wanted her to jump on a roof and then, you know, jump into my arms, and she do that. So, that was kind of the basic concept of what I wanted from what I was looking for in a dog. Nice. <laughs> um, and then from there, uh, I started to look for breeders. So, I contacted a few people. And then this is 2014. <clears throat> um, I decided to put this. Uh, I put together a little fundraiser, actually. There was a a really good dear friend of ours, Rihanna, and her son had been diagnosed with epilepsy. So to train a dog um, to detect epilepsy obviously costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And we decided we wanted to somehow raise some money. And um, a way that I came up with was we did this thing that was called Conversations with the Canine Company and I got uh, some awesome people from you know, the dog training industry to come along and tell us about their career and dogs that they had and all these sorts of things. Um, so we had uh, Glenn Cook, Gary Jackson, Boyd Hooper, Frank Glaze, host, and it was hosted by uh, Brad Griggs. And we did one in Melbourne, one in Sydney, and then you know people came along and had dinner and listened to these dog trainers, you know, talk and tell us their stories and all the fun that they've had along their way. So we did that and raised um, a whole bunch of money. And one of the nights we there was a Sydney night actually, I was talking to Boyd and I'd known Boyd's through the NDTF um, course. He was one of my head instructors at that time. And then we caught up quite a few times after that. <clears throat> and I'd go out and watch him train dogs and that sort of thing. And he had an amazing, his personal protection dog was a amazing dog. And Boyd's, you know, a lot of people will sit there and say Boyd's like the grandfather of dog training in <laughs> Australia. You know, like it's, it's not just because he's old. His, <laughs> his knowledge is just ridiculous. Like he's a very, no, he very highly comes up a lot. Yeah, he's a really highly intelligent man. Um, he's got a certain way about him. And, uh, you know, a lot of people like that some don't, but a lot of people do. Uh, but his dog training is very, very good. So, Um, I was talking to Boyd and he said, you know, like, yeah, I've got a litter coming. I said, well, you know, I might come and have a look. So I did. And um, I really liked the father's father was a dog called V and V was spectacular. And the mum was a dog called Ice and Ice was just a lovely, um, she was a black Malinois and she was just absolute stunner. So I kind of um, went, Hey, I think this might be a really nice fit for what I want and, you know, went there when the pups were maybe four weeks and then we went back around about five weeks and six weeks and then I picked my little girl up. Um, she was about seven and a half weeks or something like that. So, um, yeah, seven and a half, eight weeks or whatever it was. So picked her up on a Tuesday and um, brought her home from Boyd's, which was about 40 minutes, and uh, she barked all the way home. So... I pulled in the driveway and she was still barking. I'm like, oh, this is great. This is what I've got, is it? Uh, (laughs) um, And we had our Rottweiler whose name was Zuka at the time and Zuka loved puppies, like absolutely loved them. I'd take him to puppy school and, you know, like we've got photos of like these two little chihuahua puppies walking over the top of this 45-kilo Rottweiler or 50-kilo Rottweiler as he's just lying on the ground trying to play with them. And uh, my little Malinois puppy... Who I'm so excited about walks in the door and he's like, What the hell have you brought home? <laughs> I'm like, No, probably like the first puppy that he didn't like. <laughs> <I'm> like, No. <laughs> uh, so that wasn't a good start. So, how and was the um, First
0: couple of weeks sorting each uh, other terrible.
1: out. Yeah, like, yeah, it was, they weren't too bad, but she was just terrible. She was, uh, I went to training that night. So she came along to training. She met a few people and a a few dogs and that sort of thing, and she was pretty good. But um, once she settled into the house, you know, sort of a couple of days later, I went to feed her. I was feeding her, and she just wasn't interested in eating food. Um, So I was trying to do some training, and she just wouldn't eat. You know, she she would basically eat one out of every seven or eight meals that, that I offered her. Should you know, if I put food down or if I was trying to feed her from my hand doing some training, she'd just have a few pieces of food and she'd be like, yeah, I'm done. Like, that's enough. And she'd just walk away and she just wouldn't eat. So, you know, got her checked out at the vets and they're like, no, no, she's fine. Like, she's healthy. Just stick with her. I'm like, okay. And when she would eat, she would just smash her food, but she just wouldn't eat. So the first look, to be honest, the first 18 months of her life, um, I, I didn't like her. She wasn't the dog I wanted. <laughs> um, it was really frustrating. I took her to, uh, as I said, I was running puppy schools at the time and I took her to a puppy school one night and there was like a Husky, two Spoodles and a Labrador or something like that. And I would have like I would have swapped her for any of those puppies. I would have, give me that Spoodle. That Spoodle is amazing. You You can have my Malinois, you know, like this little Ferrari dog that I thought I was getting that I wanted. Like like, I'll swap. So around about 12 weeks of age um, that night, she was around about 12 weeks of age and I came home and I said to Kat, like, um, and I'd spoken to Boyd, and Boyd was like, hey, man, you just decide what you want. Like, you know, if you want to give her back to me, like, that's cool. If you want, you know, you just let me know. And so Boyd was really, really good. And I said, hey, look, I think I'm going to give her back. Like, she's not what I want. And Kat was like, yeah, okay, like, fair enough. And then woke up the next day, and I went out and just did a little bit of training with her and, you know, gave her a bit of food, and she was into it. I'm like, all right. You heard my conversation last night, didn't you? You got, you got one more day. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it just got, it, it got a little bit better and then it would sort of slide back downhill. And um, at, I think at around about that stage, I kind of just went, look, there's no way I could give her back. You know, part of my journey as a dog trainer is that I I have clients that come to me and they're like, look, my dog's really, really frustrating. And I couldn't empathize up until I had her. I couldn't empathize. I'm just like, oh, yeah, like just tried this and this and this. Whereas now I've got this dog that, uh, or this puppy that I was finding super, super frustrating. Um, So now I had empathy for all these clients that were coming through, you know? So uh, I just kind of decided like, no, no, like this is a dog that you've got, you know? Like we say, sort of say in the dog world, you know, you don't always get the dog you want, you uh the dog you want you get the dog you need. You know, yeah. And um that was very much what I got with Puppy. So <clears throat> we spent we spent a long time figuring things out, um, training wise, but in the house, you know, and with with Zuka with our Roddy, he um her and, and him really bonded. Like they got on very, very well. Um you know, she would entice play out of him, which was beautiful. He dealt with her really, really well. You know, so all of these things were were very, very good. Um, so they, it they, was just they both had free run of the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, she would sleep in the crate at night. Um, so, you know, now <clears throat> years later, we've got this saying, and it's discipline equals freedom, right? And I stole that from a guy called Jocko Willink, who's a um, Navy SEAL or ex Navy SEAL. And pretty much what it means is if you have the discipline not to choose stuff, then you get freedom. Or if you have the discipline not to run away and not come back, then you can have freedom. But if you don't have the discipline to, you know, to do those things, then you don't get the freedom. So you get the freedom that you earn, right? Wise words. Um, Yeah, and I should have listened to her earlier because she didn't. She did end up uh, eating my wife's shoes. Uh, (laughs) Ate ate all of her bras, and then she ordered new bras, and she ate those out of the packet. So (laughs) there were times that she definitely wasn't the favourite dog. (laughs) Uh, Um, I've got no choice now. I
0: usually wait till later on, a little bit into the interview. But um, seeing as you brought that up, I usually ask everyone to complete the sentence, I, I can't believe my dog ate.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife's high heel shoe collection. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I remember coming home and and I said to Kat, she's like, she's eaten another one. It wasn't like she'd eat both. She would just eat one. Oh. So then the <laughs> pair is ruined, right? <laughs> um. And I remember coming home one day, and she's like, "She's eaten another one of my of my high heels." I'm like, "We'll put them up, like <laughs> put them higher." And she walked. We walked in the bedroom, and she showed me where she put them. And obviously, Zira just launched off the bed and grabbed one of them or something. And I'm just like, "Yeah, okay, okay, they can't get too much higher than that." So, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> we'll go with the high heels. <laughs>
0: It's not, not too bad, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, that yeah, so that period was really, really interesting. And then there were a whole bunch of uh workshops or seminars that were being run, uh, in like down here in Melbourne, but also up in Sydney. So, uh, I took her along to a couple of these um seminars. So, there was a lady called Uta Bindels who came out from Germany, she was. Uh, a world champion in uh, IPO at the time, YGP. And Uda's an amazing lady. She was really, really cool. And uh, I got a working spot with her with puppy. And, and you know, I said, hey, like, you know, this is my melanoir. Da, 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 da. And she's like, yeah, perfect. So we went out and got puppy. And she's looking at me and looking at this dog. And she's like, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's a nice pet, isn't she? <laughs> like, no, I bought a Ferrari. <laughs> um, and then uh, <clears throat> we had another uh, amazing uh, couple come out from Germany as well, actually. So Hans and Esther. So they came out and, and pretty much said exactly the same thing. So I'm like, all right, so these dreams that I kind of had of uh, doing dog sports and these sorts of things with her kind of just were gone. So that was all a bit frustrating. But um, from there, it was just like, okay, well, just let her be, like, just let her be a dog. Don't put expectations on, don't put my ideals on it. Just enjoy her because I, I, I would enjoy her company. And <clears throat> a guy called Gary Jackson, who's a, um, Really, really good scent detection trainer in Australia. Uh, he was he had come down. He was staying with us at one stage, and he turned around to me and said, "You've never had a do- had a cuddle from a dog until you've had a cuddle from a Malinois." I'm like, "Oh, I've had some pretty cuddly dogs," and then I'd seriously—you haven't had a cuddle from a dog until you've had one from a Mal. I mean, they you know, they don't really understand what personal space is. They'll sit on top of your head, you know, <laughs> they go upside down in your lap and their feet are kicking you in the face. So um, these are the ways that Melanoir's cuddle. So uh, I, I really enjoyed having her in the house and there were all of these um, other ways that she was um, making me happy. The relationship that she had with Zuka was awesome. Uh, the relationship... That like even our cat, you know, like her and the cat were fine. All these sort of things, but it was just it was just this training thing. I I wanted to teach her all of these cool things, and she was just like, "Yeah, no, I'm not into it." So that was kind of where we got uh, we got a little bit stuck. But I think as soon as I dropped my expectation um, in regards to all of the training stuff, she started to get a little bit better and should relax more and. Should probably enjoy me because I wasn't being so pushy mm-hmm. and so demanding. So as soon as I kind of gave up on on those sorts of things, we just started to have fun. She really just became this beautiful dog who, from me not liking her, um, like I love, I had this bit of love for her, but I didn't like her. To now, like I, I love her and and I truly like her. So it was a nice switch. And but yeah, as I say, it probably took you know, twelve to eighteen months or something like that before I went from not liking her to loving her.
0: Okay. Was the was your cat there when, when she was a pup?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cat. Um, we've also got chickens. So, um, you know, she was really good. She'd walk in and around the chickens and she never chased them. And, you know, even now we go down into the backyard, the chickens are walking around the backyard and she just ignores them. She's She's great in those sort of ways, you know, like the cat comes up and gives her little snuggles and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, socially like that, she's really, really good. Uh, Really nice. So
0: when you say you've got the chickens, are you in a sort of like
1: a little bit more rural or -er semi-rural area? Yeah, we've got – not really. We're in a green sort of tree sort of area. It's a place called Altham. Um, so it's a little bit out of the city and we've just got like a, you know, sort of quarter acre block, I suppose. And in the backyard, uh, we've just got four, we call them the single ladies, we're the single ladies. So, um, they've got a beautiful, nice big run that they've got. And they come out and walk around the backyard during the day and go in and lock them up at night. So, um, but you know, like even if we forget to close the gate or whatever, the dogs walk down, um, you know, especially Puppy, like Mr. Mr. Smith, who is our new Rottweiler, he's kind of learning that he can't chase them. He loves, I mean, Mr. Smith, our new Rottweiler, loves um, people and dogs and cats and chickens and he thinks that everything's here to play with. So you've got to watch him a little bit. And he's like, he doesn't want to do it. He just wants to play. He's just, we call him the joy bringer. He's magnificent. So whereas puppy, Puppy will just go down and, you know, she'll just walk in and out of there they run and that sort of thing and they don't care about her and she never chases them and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it works really, really well.
0: What about some other sort of like outdoor areas where you would take the dogs, especially Zia? <laughs> uh, as
1: in for like when we go walking and stuff, do you mean?
0: Uh, as in as in anything, yeah. The usual walk so or what, anything or I don't know if you go out to do like hikes or took her out for yeah, that sort okay, of stuff. Yeah, okay,
1: yeah. Yeah, so um, we we have uh, three dog training locations So in our business. So uh, obviously puppy comes to um, all of those. So we've got a, a four-wheel drive ute. So she sits in the back of the ute, the tailgate's open, and then at our training centers she she'll get out. Like I'll, I'll release her out and she'll come out, she'll do demos, and then she'll run back to the ute, you know, 70 metres away and jump into the back of you when there's 100 dogs on the field. So that's a really nice thing in regards to, you know, what we call neutral socialisation, so her just ignoring things. Um, as I said, you know, like she'll do that with the chickens or she'll do it with the cat or whatever, but she'll also do it really well with people and dogs. <clears throat> um, we do a fair bit of camping. So we'll take her out, uh, we take the dogs out, camping whenever we go. Like if we go camping, the dogs are coming. So we can't go to national parks and that sort of thing. But when we're out and about, the dogs definitely come out with us, which is always really, really nice. And then, you know, socially, um, you know, it's quite it's quite funny actually. Uh last year in the middle of lockdown down in Victoria, I uh took puppy out for a walk and she was on like a five meter flexi lead or something. And we were out on a path and we were walking along there's this couple walking towards me with a Uh, pushing a pram and puppies walk past, you know, walking towards them. She's five meters ahead of me. She steps off the path, um, ignores them totally and keeps walking past. As they get past me, she gets back on the footpath, right? Walking along. And I, I just managed to video it and I put it up on this Facebook group and it was very, very interesting. Everybody in Australia was like, that's so awesome. Like, good job puppy. And then, like so many of my American uh, people in America were like, oh, my God, you should have recalled your dog. That's so irresponsible. It's like, if your dog was walking towards me like that and I'm pushing a pram, I'd be like freaking out. I'm like, okay. And uh, a a few of us had a really good, like a few friends, you know, like Americans and Australians. We had this massive big laugh about it. It's like, you know, if if you knew Zia and what she was like, you know that, um, number one, if I thought there was any danger that she'd be coming back to me, like straight away, she doesn't even look at these people. She's just walking along, she goes, and like the people like chatting away, you know, they say hi to me as they walk past. So, you know, and there was loads and loads and loads of room where if I needed her to come away, she would have done it. So that was a really good one. Um, But there's some nice little areas, like we are in quite a nice green area. So where we walk, Um, we stick to a lot of the tracks, a lot of the paths. There is a nice, beautiful spot that we'll go to, uh, which takes us down to the Yarra River, um, where she can go and have a swim and that sort of thing. I'm from New Zealand, mate. So anytime I'm walking, like I've always got like snakes in my head. So it doesn't (laughs) matter. (laughs) Like when I first came to Australia, I'm walking through this primary school in... Marichidor um, on the Sunshine Coast and it was probably like June or July or something, maybe July and I'm walking back um, to this backpacker hostel where I first came over and about 10 o'clock at night and I'm walking through with a couple of people and I'm like I don't think we should be walking through here and they're like, why? I'm like mate, it's grass, there'll be snakes. And they'll just like, oh my God, (laughs) like you're in the middle of the city, you know? (laughs) So, so even now and where we are in Altham um, and in this area, actually there is a massive amount of tiger snakes and brown snakes, which are very, very deadly. So Uh I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty conscious of where I walk um, her. So generally what I do is we just go down to the rugby club and, um do some obedience and she'll chase a ball and you know, there's some nice paths around there that we can walk around. So um that's about what we do for for that outdoorsy stuff. But when we go camping and that sort of thing, um, this time of the year it's not too bad. I've got a little bit better. I know in winter it's a little bit you know, you're a little bit less likely to see some snakes. So
0: Yep. And um, very much to just, that we've had yeah, uh, yeah. just in our or well, in our yard uh yeah. last year. Uh uh Python and a black snake. Oh wow. But um, thankfully our don't our, want that. our girl is um cautious and she'll stay about two meters away and just bark at it. Yeah.
1: Uh, so we've been lucky that way. Yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we we were out uh walking a couple of years ago and where we were, we were up around these tracks. Like we'd been down and visiting these old gold mines and we had the dogs with us and both dogs were on lead. And I was just about to say, like we use our uh, obedience because it gives us the ability to take our dogs wherever we want. Um, And I was just about to say to, say to cat, like, Hey, look, just so you know, I'm just going to tell the dogs to drop. We call it like, I say like an emergency drop, which basically means in my voice, I'm freaking out, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, I'm a uh, drop, you know, <laughs> as opposed to drop where I'm nice and relaxed and calm. So that would be like an emergency drop. It's still exactly the same word, still the same obedience. It's just a heightened arousal level for me. You know, if something goes wrong, this is probably more what I'm going to sound like. So it's just sort of going to say to my wife, um, hey, cat! just so you know, I'm just about to do this emergency drop, so don't freak out when I do it, you know. <laughs> and uh, I was just about to say it, and then uh, we looked up and there was a snake probably 10 metres away from us. <laughs> so we ended up doing it anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but again, like, you know, when you've got obedience and, yeah, again, both dogs were on lead, so it was kind of no factor. But the dogs just went into this drop. We watched this beautiful, um, I think it was a Copperhead or something perhaps, you know, slither across the ground, go from one side of the path to the other, and disappeared down the tracks. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't really want to see puppy go and investigate a snake or anything like that. So, no, I was um, seeing a, a clip <coughs> a little ideal. while ago, um, I, can't, I think it was in the
0: in the states somewhere where there was about four or five medium to large dogs in someone's yard, and there was a snake, and they were all barking at it and looking at it, staying away. And then out of nowhere, yeah. this little terrier runs in, bang, jams, hits the hits oh. snake in her head, bites, yeah. shakes it round, drops it and just walks off and goes, Pah. you know, <laughs> that's how you do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? But, um, uh, you mentioned
0: water and swimming. How does, how does Zia enjoy her swims and, and how is she at uh, yeah. things like bath time?
1: Yeah, um, all of those things, she's she's really good with bath time, she's really good with the dryer, all of those things she's really good with. Um, the first first few times she went swimming, she was just sort of figuring it out and then <clears throat> I remember a friend of ours had a pool, so uh, I jumped in the pool and then I this is how I kind of teach dogs to swim, so I'll get in the pool I lift the dog off the steps, hold them under the belly, turn them around and then show them where the steps are. So they'd learn the first thing I want my dog to do is like figure out how to get out of the pool. So it's steps are. So I teach that. And then I started to do that a few times and then she started to, you know, use her, her, um, back legs as well as her front legs. So she became a little bit more confident. Then as she got a little bit more confident, I threw, she loves a ball. So, threw the ball for her and she went from like you know just paddling around to the dog that I see you know imagine a dog just you know jogging along on land that's what she was doing in the water and then imagine a dog chasing a ball on land where they get lower and they really hammer for it. She went from you know jogging on the in the water and when I threw the ball to, you know, she lowered herself and she just flew after the ball. So when she actually decides to swim, um, she's really fast. <laughs> so it's, uh, I love watching her swim and she'll go in, she'll go in and paddle around by herself. She won't swim for fun, but she'll definitely swim out and chase things. And, you know, she really enjoys doing that. She'll, you know, put her head under the water and hunt for a ball or anything like that too. So, yeah, she's really good with it. You know, we, We like camping beside rivers, um, so we've got access to the water all the time. So, you know, the first thing she does is get up in the morning, she'll go down and and paddle around in the river and I'll throw a ball out or, you know, we've got these really nice um, uh, sticks. um, I can't remember what they're called. They're like little green rubber floaty sticks Mm-hmm. So I'll throw those out like a – it's kind of like a Kong toy or something like that, you know, so they float. So um, I'll throw those out and she'll swim out and chase those and bring those back. So she's a great little swimmer, actually. She really enjoys the water. Oh, that's good. So good for them. Yeah. It is, yeah,
0: yeah. So you mentioned the the little green stick uh, and, and yep. apart from the ball, what other sort of – has she got any other favourite toys?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I love about her is, uh, and she's done this from an early age. I call it nom nom. So she gets a soft toy and she sits there and she will lie down and she'll push her paws onto it. And then she bites it and she just noms on it like nom, 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 <laughs> nom. Like that. So she does that. Um, and she's done it from, you know, when she was just a little puppy. So, mm-hmm. and she does it, you know, she brings a, you know, She gets her nom nom and brings it to bed every night, and she'll nom nom before she falls asleep, and she'll wake up in the morning. She'll wake up and uh, go, know, yeah, time to get up." I'm like, "Go and get your nom nom." <laughs> so she'll run off, and she'll pick it up and bring it back to bed or something. So, um, you know, she's got she's got her nom noms, which she which she loves. Uh, she loves playing tug, so which is really good, whether it's on a um, on a sleeve or you know, like just a two handed tug or whatever. Um, we've done, I've played a lot around, uh, played with a lot of different types of training. So we've done things like scent detection, um, we've done tracking and then I've done some of the GRC stuff. Have you had anyone doing GRC come on? Uh, no, not, not fully into it No. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I'm definitely not fully into it, but we do have, uh, we've passed the SR test, which is like the, the social responsibility test. So we're up to our, I think we're up to our second leg on that. I keep forgetting. I think we're up to the second leg of that, which is good. Yeah, nice. Um, and we've also done spring pole. So we've qualified for spring pole. Uh I think I've got the first two parts of that. I forget how it's, I forget the titles involved. I always talk to Jazz and I'm like, Jazzy, I forget where I'm at. So she keeps <laughs> me up, keeps me up, up to date with it. But, um, the spring pole stuff she likes so that's basically just a, a tug toy that's hanging off something right um and then the dog is you know on command running over and jumping up and biting it and hanging around and you know outs on command and drops on command and that sort of thing so she likes doing that sort of stuff which is always really good but definitely her favorite thing is is chasing a ball i mean you know we'll go for a walk and she'll carry a ball around she's not she's not obsessed with it like we can have balls in the house and she'll carry it around but you know, then she'll leave them. But if we're out and we're doing training, then definitely running and jumping and grabbing a ball. And, you know, if I'm like, hey, do you want to do obedience for food or a ball? It, you know, it's definitely no contest. It's always a ball for sure. A ball. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. if you had to say from your point of view the different activities that you just went through, what yep. one would you say that she enjoys the most?
1: Um, anything that is rewarded by her chasing a ball—all okay. <laughs> <I would> <laughs> of the above. Say, yeah, like, <clears throat> um, like her obedience is is quite nice. Like it's 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 not. Uh, she doesn't do world beating obedience or anything like that. But for what I want and what I expect her to do, um, for a pet dog, you know, her obedience is really good. So. She will do a lot of things. I mean, I enjoyed watching her doing uh, doing her tracking. Um, you know, I think that's something that if anybody wants to play around with doing tracking, you know, we get in the dog's way a lot, you know, like let the dog do it, let the dog figure it out, I think is a really good piece of advice. There are some amazing people uh, that are out there who teach tracking. <clears throat> um, I've kind of done that a little bit on um, a few separate different uh, types of people's advice you know I've taken a little bit from this person a little bit from this person and yeah I just really enjoy teaching that That's that's been a lot of fun um, the same for the scent detection so anything that that she really enjoys doing and then gets rewarded with a ball I think is is a lot of fun um, but you know just basic obedience I mean her jumping into a heel position getting rewarded with a ball is nice you know so the one thing of the one piece of um obedience or the one obedience command, I think I love, te- I love teaching the drop or down, down the drop. Um I love teaching that. And I think she now at seven is slowly getting um, faster and faster and faster and understands it better. Um Like, I mean, I've got, I've got, you know, 19-week-old puppies that probably drop a bit faster than what my seven-year-old Malinois does, but um, it's a position that I really, really like. So, when I'm using a ball, she'll drop beautifully and and does it really well. Um, if I'm using anything else, it's usually a bit more hesitant. But now she kind of feels like it's her idea, and if she drops well, then all the good things happen. So, <clears throat> that that's a really nice thing for us to play around with. Mm-hmm. So um, health-wise, has she had any
0: issues that resulted in um, vet trips and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, she's had a couple. Um, probably more Malinois issues, I'd say, than health issues. So uh, she was chasing a ball and she hit her paw on a um, uh, like a piece of timber and it just cracked her nail. But where it cracked, it was right um, back at the nail bed so every time it would um every time it would sort of grow a little bit it would just split so i ended up having to get the whole nail removed from her foot um so that was a bit of a bit of an annoying one and now because of the way the nail grows it instead of it growing out it actually just grows straight up so okay. it looks like she's giving like a one fingered salute <laughs> to everybody <laughs> um, <clears throat> so there was that uh she had a cracked tooth um which again would be from her biting something uh so we've had that removed um but that's I think that's about it. yeah you know, she's that. been a really, yeah she's got a little fatty lump on her at the moment uh, just down on her by her sternum so. I've booked in with uh, Dr. F to get that taken out at some stage in the next four weeks, I think. So, yeah, I've been really lucky with her, um, which is good. There may be others, but I've, I've maybe I've forgotten, but certainly nothing too major.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: I know it's uh, maybe may a bit difficult even uh, with her being a male, but any sort of particular like Zia habits or weird habits or anything like that?
1: <laughs> um, the Nom Nom is probably her main habit. I think that's that's the funny one. It, one of the things that I find with Malinois uh, is because they are sort of these tough dogs, I mean, she's quite a sensitive little dog, so you like remove that from this this picture, but – Um, She was running around, I don't know, a few months ago, and she got this tiny little cut on her back foot. Um, And most other dogs would just be like, "Ah, you know, it's fine. Put a bit of um, neocort or something like that on antibacterial cream and she'll be fine. It was really, really small. And she decided that the best way for her to look after the foot was just to eat it. (laughs) So she basically ended up eating her whole pad away. Oh, um, <laughs> So it's like, baba, just like, started, it was the tiniest little cut. You know, you, you wouldn't take her to the vet for it. And then all of a sudden she's eating her pad away and it's like, oh, no, you idiot. So, and that happened probably over over four days. And then she's like, my foot's really sore. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, you it is. Because you've eaten it, you idiot. So she spent two weeks with a bucket on her head. Um, <clears throat> and again, again, one of the things that I'm really proud of with her is, um when these sorts of things happen like she gets a bucket on her head or um anything along those lines she deals with everything really really well mm-hmm. like she's quite a resilient sort of dog so I'm really really proud of that that she sort of deals with anything that I throw at her she's like yeah okay this this isn't ideal but I'll deal with it I mean she'll have the bucket on her head and and run flat out through the um through the doggy door and like smash her, you know, bucket into the dog door, and then she wiggles her head through, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm out." So <laughs> yeah. those sorts of things are really good. But um, as for as for habits, I, I suppose the one thing that that I always laugh about with her is if we drive to training, she's in the back of the Ute. We'll get um, like if like let's say I go to Doncaster, we turn into the street where our dog training is, and she starts to bark. Um, I come home and I turn into our street or or probably a hundred meters before I turn into uh, the street. She'll start to bark. We drive to training on a Sunday morning. We go through the traffic lights. She starts to bark. And then when we go camping, there's a couple of spots that we go to. And there was one spot particularly, which is about three hours away. And then as we got about, I don't know, let's say, three minutes away from where it is, two minutes away, she started to bark. So she kind of um, has this little thing of like, I know where we are. We're getting close. Yeah, so
0: I'm announcing that's, my, that's, our arrival.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's annoying when you're rocking up to dog training, but when you you know driving along to a campsite and you've been in the car for three hours and she starts to bark, you know, it's like, how, how do you know where we are, you know? So, I mean, you've been at, You've been to this dog training location, you know, literally probably you know, four hundred times, you know. So or something ridiculous, two hundred times if you go once a week. So um that that sort of thing and there but to go to a campground and you've been there twice and then on a the third visit, like, you know, you're like, I know where we are. It's like how does that happen? So that's pretty cool. I like that about it. Um
0: just Thinking back a little bit, did you notice much or any change in behavior when you guys had the extended bit of lockdown a while ago? <clears throat> uh,
1: no, no. I mean, I don't walk, she doesn't get walked every day. So a lot of people sit there with them, you know, with breeds of dogs or whatever, and they're like, you know, you've got to exercise them, you've got to run them. And I've always kind of had the thing of like, I want my dog to be a sprinter and not a long distance runner. So if I'm like, okay, you haven't been out of the house for a little bit, I want to, you know, get rid of some energy. I could take it down to the oval, which is, you know, five minutes away, throw the ball for her 15 times. And she's like, all right, I'm done. You know, so I don't have to take her for long two hour hikes and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we do probably more so is just that mental stimulation at home. So she'll get up and she'll follow me around or, you know, we can play games in the backyard, um, different things with food, you know, but no, I don't think, I don't think her behavior really changed at all. I mean, quite often either myself or, or Kat will be at home. So to have both of us at home, it wasn't a massive shock to her. So, um, no, I, I don't, I think we're pretty lucky with that. Yeah. Nothing really changed. Um, have you got any sort of uh, plans for
0: her doing anything different, sort of like moving on now towards the future?
1: No, not not at the moment. I mean, um, one of the things that we did do in lockdown uh, last year, which was a lot of fun, was um, there was a lady who put together like a whole bunch of different tricks um, online and then you could score, like you got tricks titles. Yep. So – <clears throat> um, that was that was really cool so uh, Zia knew a few of the different tricks and that sort of thing that we were teaching but there was a whole bunch of different ones that that we had to teach so teaching our dogs tricks is actually a really nice fun way of, number one it's a fun way for the dog to learn stuff because it's, you know, they're not going to get anything wrong, it's more getting things close to what you want so there's a lot of positive reinforcement involved in it. So that was that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, so perhaps you know teaching some more tricks. I want to go back and and do a little bit more of the tracking stuff with her. You know, make some of that a little bit harder. Um, but for but for now, I think you know our lives have changed a little bit. You know, we cat and I spend a little bit more time camping. Uh, we've got our new Rottweiler pup, Mister Smith, who's now um, around about eighteen months of age or something like that. So. I think spending some time just outdoors, camping, you know, quality time with the dogs, just building on that relationship and that sort of thing. Um, as I say, like, I I really just enjoy her. I really enjoy her company. I really enjoy being around her. I mean, if I sit on the couch, she'll jump, you know, jump up and put her head on me and we'll just hang out like that. You know, she'll sleep upside down on the bed. So, yeah, she li- she lives a really nice life and there's not too much uh, that I want to be teaching or training her to do, um, probably more so just improving the things that she already knows. I think
0: uh, sounds like a, a
1: really nice household. Yeah, it is. It's it's um, it's pretty relaxed and it's pretty calm, and uh, it gets a little bit chaotic when Mister Smith already what decides that it's playtime. But apart from that, um, you know, it, it's a nice it's a nice. Uh, place for us all to be in actually like we're all kind of on the same page so I think that's a nice thing at the moment for sure has she ever got to the stage when Mr Smith wants to play that she's like um hang on no I don't <laughs> she yeah she barks and as like she's a barker for sure as we've as I found out you know day one when I brought her home as I said before but um even when she's like, come on, mate, I'm over it. He just elicits it from her anyway. So there's kind of not much, like he'll go and steal a toy and walk past with the toy, you know, and she's like, that's my toy. And he's like, yes, i got it. You know? so, <laughs> so he always kind of elicits something out of her. And, um, uh, you know, we've spoken a little bit about Zuka and her having this beautiful bond together, which was really nice. I think Mr. Smith and, and puppy have really taken it to another level actually. So, um, the way that those two play together and uh, as I said, like he's the joy bringer, like he he is that dog that you can't help but love him, he's super social and he's a happy, simple sort of dog um, but he, he plays with her all the time and, you know, she'll bite him on the face and he's just like, this is the best day ever, I'm <laughs> like, is that sore? And like she's hanging off his jowls and he's like, Oh, this is the best. I'm like, okay. So um and he and he listens to it, you know, like he'll grab a toy and steal it and run away from her and play bow and jump and you know, she's like and he just puts her face in the way and she bites him on the face and then they fall upside down and <laughs> that's the that's the way it is. So no, look, she's never told him off in a in a serious way at all, which is good.
0: Uh, nice, nice. Um It's been a pleasure and very enjoyable conversation hearing all about Zia. Do you want to let people know about your training business?
1: Yeah, sure, Robert. Um, So my wife, Kat, and I, we have a business. It's called The Canine Company. Um, We are based in Melbourne, uh, probably the northern suburbs. So Eltham, uh, Doncaster, and South Morang, we have group locations, and then we do private consults and that sort of thing. Uh, we also run some seminars. Um, we've been to New Zealand and a few different places around Australia, which have always been fun. Um, hopefully everything goes well. We're off to Adelaide um, later this year and then Tasmania again uh, next year. And then we also put together a really good online course, um, so Group Class Mastery. Um, and we filmed that with Mr. Smith last year when he was uh, you know, a young pup. So that's kind of uh, all the things that we've done um and are kind of up to at the moment so yeah Mm -hmm. the canine company that's us and is there any particular place that they should look for that on social media yeah we're on all the social medias so facebook instagram um if you and we obviously have a website too so if you search for the canine company letter k number nine then we will come up if you're looking for us i've got a bald head and a beard. And if you're looking for cats, she's gorgeous with pink hair. So <laughs> two, two pretty uh, easy to find people. Oh,
0: Brent, it's been, again, a pleasure. And hopefully you get through the next few days without too much of a drama and they don't extend anything more. So take care.
1: Thanks, Robert. I really appreciate you having me on. It's always a, a pleasure to be asked on a podcast like this. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show.
0: Don't forget, if you can share the episode with a friend, it would be amazing. If you want to get in contact with us through the Facebook group to make any comments and help me make this a better listening experience for you, please do so. Until next week, stay safe and remember, your dog is family.